You're listening to the Brave New Words podcast, and I'm your host, Ed Fortune, and I'm uh, here with uh, show regulars... Uh, producer Al and Del. And I'm Ed, and we have we are live at Sledge Lit. And we have some completely lovely guests, uh, so uh, if you'd like to introduce yourselves, please. Um, I'm Mike Carey, uh, also MR Carey, sometimes. I'm Tasha Siri. Um, I'm RJ Barker. This is my third time on the podcast, and I think I think I should either be allowed to be a show regular, or, or I should get my name on it. <laughs> get my name on it. Yeah. RJ Barker's yeah. brave new words. I'm not that full of myself. Just RJ. Oh, okay. I heard they were killing you off in the next season, RJ. No. That that would mean we have plot. Although I do feel that we have met our. RJ will tangent within 90 seconds. <coughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we haven't even got to the jingle, so uh, <laughs> right now, lovely jingle. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, there were still stories waiting to be told. Force Majeure is an actual play Star Wars podcast, following groups of emergent force sensitives trying to survive the worst the Outer Rim can throw at them. So if you like action, adventure, thrilling yarns and good tea you might enjoy Force Majeure find us on Twitter at Force Majeure Pod or online at forcemajeurepod.com or wherever you find your podcasts wasn't that lovely? it was lovely that was an absolute jingle it was a beautiful jingle my favourite my favourite one Um, so uh, I'm going to I'm going to pitch in straight in with the 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 bit news uh, and I'm going to go totally at random uh, because I might as well let's start with um, Golans have grabbed the House of Sundering Flames which is not a surprise to anyone despite the fact it's been reported as news because Aliette de Bodard's latest novel The House of Sundering Flames has been picked up by Golans which is convenient because they did the other two um no, you're speaking very, very quickly. I am speaking yeah. very, very quickly. It's because at some point someone's going to leap in and stop me from talking. Well, if they <laughs> previous two, will they not have some sort of option on the thing she writes next? I, I'm assuming she has a very good agent, so not yeah. necessarily. Um, and, and I love Aliette, but the House of Sundering Flames sounds like a health and safety nightmare, doesn't it? <laughs> I wouldn't want to live there. I wouldn't want to live. I like fire a lot. It kind of makes I, you think that maybe the original title was something like House Where Things Go Boom or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And then they just calmed it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah made it more poetic perhaps. I maybe. Mean, some sort of kebab based takeaway. Yeah. That would be the House of Sunderland Flame. Yeah. 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 Is, is Sunderland known for kebabs? No, but Sunderland Flames would be a really good name for a kebab shop in Sunderland. That's so, like just in Sunderland. <laughs> yeah, well, but well, I, it could be in Bradford, but that. that but I feel like if you're going to call it something, the ha- the Sunderland Flames was that it? The House yeah. of Sunderland Flames. You'd want to put it somewhere really pointless, like Slough. So, <laughs> and then, but it would be a good selling point because somebody would go past it and go, "Oh, why is that called the House of Sunderland Flames?" And everybody would go, oh, "I don't know, because it's in Slough." You, you'd have to tell people that that your kebabs were the national dish of Sunderland, which is a country. I've just made it. Uh, I, I, the people of Sunderland would, would like it to be a country. Yeah. I, I like the fact that Slough, the, there's a movement in Slough to call it, call themselves Upper Windsor. 
because they're right next to Windsor, and therefore, or or either either to call or either that or to call Windsor Lower Slough. Well, I I used to live in Slough at one point, so I would I would be. Am I the only person that used to call it Slough? Yes. yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> would be with the royal family have to change their name as well in that case? The House of Slough. House of Slough. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, they change their name like an average of about once every hundred years, yeah. don't they? So they're overdue a change at this point. I think I, I think we should get a petition on Parliament uh, and, and say it's the House. Of, anyway, the House of Sun, Sun, Sunderland, by the way, also they do. In addition to kebabs, they do really big pizzas, and there used to be a pizza place that used to do a massive pizza called the Fantasy. And it would start off at 14 inches, and you'd have to ask for a 14 inch fan- fantasy, a 20 inch fan- We've gone straight to the Get the World Ready. That, that, did it exist? That, that's yes. a real pizza. They weren't just like, you've had your pizza. It was great. What was the topping on the pizza? <laughs> it was, I, it, I think I might know, but. It was pretty much everything. So it was like all sorts of random like bits of stuff, food. It was a very meaty, veggie pizza. It was very spicy as well. I was so. It was square as well. It's it, it, it square. Whose fantasy is square? Whose fantasy is square? Oh, I quite a lot of people. Oh, it's very cheesy. So maybe it was a cheese dream. Minecraft players. Yeah. Yeah. Can you mine pizza with Minecraft? That keyboard, the one. Like Wombat Poo. That's been the big news story, hasn't it? What? They found out how Wombats make their poo square. How? What? How do they make their poo square? They have their their intestines um, stretch at different amounts in different places. So, so making it square. Have they found out why? Yeah. They think, I, I, I love this, that because wombats mark their territory with, with their, I, I really like wombats, they have armoured bottoms, I just think that's fantastic. <laughs> um, they, they leave little, little piles of wombat droppings to mark their territory and because it's square that they can like do Lego with it. <gasps> yeah. So and wombats invented Lego. Yeah. <coughs> How can they Lego it? With their bottoms. So I was in, they like build a poo wall literally from their bum. You might be taking a little bit literally <laughs> It's It's not, I've, I've just realised it's not Lego, it's Tetris. It's Minecraft. <laughs> no. Wombats invented Minecraft. Okay. So the, uh, I've learned so much already today. <laughs> the must have Christmas present this year is Poopsie the Unicorn, which, <laughs> which poos rainbow coloured slime. Are you joking? I'm not joking. How have I not heard of this? I love unicorns. There's, there's all sorts of videos of Poopsie pooing. Poopsie on, the Unicorn? Yeah, on YouTube. You can look is, it up. Is that the unicorn that's like you should squat and raise your knees? No, that's the, that, that's the, uh, the special pot potty thing that's yeah. advertised by a unicorn. It's, it's, it's like a company that have made yeah. a step that goes the around potty. your toilet. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. because we're not actually designed to oh, yeah. use the toilet in a sitting position. Because we're uh-huh. bending our colon. Yeah, we're supposed to actually like squat. But because that's unpleasant, rather than having a person do like showing yeah. you they have a magical so, unicorn that appears really So the terrible thing is that horses aren't, aren't built to do that at all. <laughs> <laughs> That, that unicorn will get quite sick. But well, the good well, thing Poopsie is isn't, Poopsie isn't a real unicorn. She's actually, um, she's more like a sort of horrible unicorn minotaur. She has a human face. It's oh. just like the pedals. Uh, no, I, yeah. we need a... We she's need just to, wrong. No. She's deeply wrong. Is it, does this tie into the Mr. Kipling thing? Yeah, Mr. Kipling's doing unicorn slices. But, which is, well, you get a unicorn and you get a knife. This has gone very dark. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that actually fits into Aliette de Bordard's The House of Sundering Claims because that's got bits of magical creatures 
cut up into see there's, there's there is a theme uh, cut up you know that she in in the book they they basically get like an angel and then they cut it up to pieces to make magic that's like how, angel slices yeah angel slices angel cake yeah angel food cake oh yeah it's awful isn't it is it it's yeah. just weird sponge with colouring do you think we should yeah. talk about book news uh, I'm, I'm desperately trying to anyway yeah. the Bordeaux's Dominion of the Fallen series is wildly popular um, so I, I'm looking forward to it but yes it's it's that, that's the one of sliced unicorns you see you okay. see fiends yeah. um, I thought you said it was sliced angels sliced angels as well potentially yeah. well the, I, the one I remember is the fact that they've got an angel just hanging around that they're, they're essentially using you see I, I, I'm badly 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 she seems so nice when you meet her <laughs> <laughs> the magic system really works it makes it, like, it makes perfect sense because it uses like alchemical metaphor and this sort of thing it's very clever it's one of those ones where you go, I see what you did there. I don't understand what you did there, but I see what you did. I don't like the idea of slicing people up. But are, are angels people, RJ? Are angels people? Are unicorns people? What constitutes a person? When did you become so hard, Tasha? <laughs> <laughs> they feel pain. I went to see this exhibit at... Um, a museum in uh, Oxford that <laughs> week. Was and, it the Bodleian? It was the Bodleian, yes, thank you. Uh, no, it was the Ashmolean. Oh, right, yeah. um, And it was all about um, magic and through through the history, and they basically looted every museum in the south of England for its stash of stuff. And two of the things they had on the wall were things that had been described as unicorn horns, and they were, in fact, from that... Big narwhals, yeah, narwhals, yeah. If if and they had they had two, they had two of them. One of them was shorter than the other because some warden at one of the colleges had just lobbed the top off to use it for something else. <laughs> well, it's, but, but also, this coll- random college in Oxford just has these things that, when they're not on display in the Ashmolean, are just like presumably on their wall or something in a hallway. If you go to the Panic Park Museum in Whitby. Um, they have like like a, an umbrella stand type thing with three narwhal horns in it that you can just pick up and, and play with. And they also have a hand of glory, which I love, and a slug prognost no a leech prognosticator, which is the greatest thing ever. It's it's it's, it's for how telling you, the weather. How do you prognost? Oh, I was going you, to say, how do you prognosticate you, a leech? There's like glasses around the edge, and you put, uh-huh. you put a leech in each glass. It's a circle, and then the leeches on the side where the air pressure is changing don't like it and they'll climb out of their little leech glasses so you know that a storm is coming from that way and apparently it works it sounds insane I, you, I love it that's not have, on a number of different yeah. have you seen the snail telegram no so there's a thing about snails where if you have snails in a line if you their little antennae oh. if you bop one of their antennae the, the snail next to it will lower its antennae and that will go all the way down the line so someone then, as a proof of proof of concept, got a got a whole load of of snails. We can send <laughs> really slow SOSs. <laughs> <laughs> it's book uh, Terry Pratchett never got to write, isn't it? Like a Newton's cradle, but with snails instead of steel balls. With snails instead of steel balls, just going up and up and down the book news. Um, <laughs> Speaking of leeches, they still use them in medical research. Mm. Yeah, they like, do. Have you ever oh, watched, yeah. If you've ever watched Super. Have you watched Supervet where that, that guy goes and he's like, oh, and somebody brings in the animal and they go, it has arthritis. And they're like, oh no, we're going to have to put it down. And he goes, no, I will give it a fake hip. And then he gives it a fake hip. Well, um, that's all he does. Um, but <laughs> he once had this cat come in or something that's leg was gangrenous and he put leeches on the leg. So we have medical grade leeches for the cat. 
So apparently they use it in veterinary medicine. The sad and they thing. Use it in people medicine. Yeah, yeah but the sad thing. They're, they're one Just use. When? Oh, are you? Oh, yeah. Um, the single use. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Once, once they've had yeah. human. They think they're thing. going to a wonderful place. And they're in a hospital and they think, I'm, I'm important, I'm the world's most important, Leech. Dr. Leech. Yeah, Dr. Leech. Dr. Leech, MD, I'd watch that. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, you've done your one, your one thing and you go in the fire. They have to, though. I mean, once they've got the taste for human blood, they're fucking <laughs> dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think vampires were modelled off leeches? Almost because, certainly, yeah. I think. Yeah. They're a little bit sexier on the whole. Leeches or vampires? No, vampires. Who um, wrote Slugs? Horror novel. Um, Sean Hudson. Sean Hudson. Sean Hudson. Oh, Sean Hudson. oh Dean yeah. Koontz also has yeah. a book about slugs. My mum has read like all Dean Koontz books ever, <laughs> apart from the one that has a giant slug on the cover. I like the concept of it that they're terrifying as long as you're very still. <laughs> yeah. and that, that's what you have. You have to write the book coming up with reasons somebody is being very still, so that the murderous slugs can um, can't I, escape. I, I'm reminded of that entire subgenre that happened in the seventies of eighties, like after rats were so popular as a book. There were then slugs, and there's there's one about crabs, killer crabs coming on. Not like giant crabs, just crabs, just, just getting very angry. Um, there's, there's one about an apocalypse of locusts that come out of a, a I think it's a marmite tin. Uh, someone opens and releases Isn't locusts. That or something. Like you, you want to be careful. They can move. Oh yeah, damn fast. Well, only sideways. So. <laughs> My friend at uni found a slug in his bedroom, but he had a carpet, and he didn't want to touch the slug, but he didn't want to put salt on the slug and ruin his carpet. So he put a ring of salt a centimeter away around the slug, so that it couldn't go anywhere. It was just like eventually it will die, and when it dies, it might dry out, and then I can Hoover it up. Like a demon. It was like like trapping yeah, it in a circle of salt. It was just yeah, this that's like a reverse supernatural. Why did he use a fish slice? Use a fish slice, scrape it off the carpet. But then you because he sacrificed a fish slice. I would. I, that's the thing though. I think sometimes as a student you can't sacrifice a fish slice because that ninety nine p is a shop. Like, as a somebody student, did that for a self driving car, didn't they? Made a trap for it by drawing a white oh, line yeah. around yeah. it because they couldn't cross. So. Who was trying to trap a self-driving car? Uh, a stand-up comedian, I believe. I feel like there's a horror novel in there somewhere <laughs> that, you know, the, the cars are going to kill us all, but then we just draw a circle around one of them and that's it. It's like <laughs> Escape of Daleks by running upstairs. Yeah. My, my other the, half is terrified of spiders and um, my little boy loves them. And he went to a thing where he got to hold a tarantula in his hand. <laughs> and, oh. and she wouldn't hold his hand all the way home. <laughs> and, and I honestly think she, she was considering, should I cut it off? I just said, look, let's just wash him. (laughs) (laughs) There is that whole, I mean, it's it's a big kind of science science fiction concept where people forget how technology works. I do that all the time. And the the stuff they do instead looks like ritual. So, like, the Foundation series does that, and it's a big part of Warhammer 40k and that sort of thing, where they have all these rituals where, you know, you have a self-driving car and you just draw a circle around it, which is obviously magic, because the car's not working. um, Because you don't understand what the car is, really. The car gets sad. The weirdest thing I ever saw in a museum was a little brown blob in the Pitt River. Sorry, I'm going back to the previous Mm -hmm. ten. And the, the, the accompanying note said... Object presumed to be a fetish, possibly frog with nails in it. Oh. In the pit rivers. I love to play. Not, I mean, I feel quite sorry for the frog. I hope it was dead first. 
It was certainly dead afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had a, some work done on, we live in a very old house, uh, and I was so disappointed that there wasn't a mummified cat behind the fire. <laughs> Genuinely. That you like, found. Oh, yeah, fun. no witches have lived here. I'm very upset. So anyway, Mark Gascoigne has left Angry Robot. <laughs> um, can I ask for clarification? Are the Angry Robot and the Bad Robot the same robot, or are they two different robots? You know, I've never actually asked. Um, I'm assuming that Bad Robot is just a Bad Robot, Angry Robot is just miffed. Because Angry Robot is, is, is British, and Bad Robot is an American company. Mm. Well, you can be angry so, and still, still so, so, acceptably. That's true. Yeah. I, I how would anger become your defining characteristic if you're otherwise behaving well? That's true. It's not called grumpy robots. Yeah. It was emus. Emu. Rod Hull and emus defining characteristic. You're probably too young for that, Natasha. Mm. What's what's it? Emu. It oh, was very angry. So so. Rod Hull's entire act was that he was a hideous mutant who had a bird attached to one of his arms <laughs> um, that kept attack- attacking him. And then he also had a fake arm that like hung limply. So oh. presumably either he had something seriously wrong with his arm or he had a mutant emu attached to it. Anyway. Yeah, it's still um, much less creepy than Orville the duck. Yeah. I think I've worked with Orville the duck. No. And lived at Tell the Yeah. When you were doing BBC yeah. stuff? No. Yeah. When I was doing Butlin stuff. <gasps> was um, you name dropping? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I used to work at, at Butlins in North Wales back in back in 1997, um, and yeah, Keith Harris and all and Cuddles the Monkey were one of our Saturday night acts for about eight weeks in the summer, um, and we were the adult. I'm really sorry for Tasha. radio. Tasha is shaking her head and looking sad. Her face just says, "What are the yeah. old people is, talking about? What is what is, what is Orville?" I, I genuinely, what, what's this monkey? So it was basically a ventriloquism act, but it was on it was on Saturday night evening telly in the eighties. By the time you get to the late nineties, all the people who were on Saturday evening telly in the eighties are now going around the holiday camp circuit in the UK, making their money off nostalgia. Effectively, um, our side had two venues. It had the family venue where they went and did the regular act that you would have seen on TV, and then it had our venue, which was the adult venue. Oh dear. <laughs> oh yeah. But Orville's just yeah. a no. Orville swears. He's a green incontinent duck baby. Wait, are you telling me in the eighties people watched a green incontinent ventriloquist duck? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was they, huge. They, they, yeah, bought, they bought his hit single as well. Yeah. 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 Are you yeah, joking? I wish I could fly right, right up, up to the, the sky. sky. But I can't. You can't. I can't. Do you think he was actually encouraging Orville to commit suicide in that song? <laughs> <laughs> yes, because he genuinely couldn't. He couldn't fly. Yeah. So not only did the ducks did the, did the ducks swear and um, utilising language, I can not use on a podcast um, but also there was a point um, where I think when they did the song where Keith would take um, Orville off like his lap put him on the chair and then walk off the stage and not only would the duck keep singing which is fine but then he would start moving no yeah Mm. That would that would scare children. Well, it was adult then, so it's fine. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not comfortable with that. Yeah. <laughs> then the first time you see it, you're just going, what is going on? I'm is sorry, I need to go back to the... Why... <laughs> <laughs> why Why is the duck incontinent? What did it this a, add to the act? It's wearing a nappy. Nappies. 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 But it yeah. could talk. Yeah. 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 And it was a duck. Yeah. 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 Also, it, never broke. It, was, it was emotionally damaged. Yeah, it was, it was an he, emotionally damaged he had and a dog. broken heart, which is often referred to. Yeah. Who's going to help you from your broken we don't heart? And the other animal in the act was an, was an orange monkey. Are we ever specifically told he, he is a baby? 
Because I'm just presuming because I mean, he yeah. wears a nappy. But but if you've had, had your bro- heart broken, then you could be ancient, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah. You're old enough. An ancient, ancient incontinent green duck <laughs> yeah. who hasn't spoken a word since Keith Harris died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in the eighties and nineties, every children's um, kind of compare thing. Mm. So the bit that would talk between the programs would have a puppet. Mm. So there was like, there was Orville, then you had the emu acts, but things like Gordon the Gopher, Ed the Duck, who was a punk duck. <laughs> I, I, I am reminded of, I am reminded of the um, movie Magic. Mm. I don't know what that um, is. With Sansa Lambs, actor Anthony, Anthony Hopkins, Magic, uh, with his dummy which was written by William Goldman, who oh. recently passed away. Book news. Hooray! He won no his prize. No hooray! Oh, no, no, no. The man passed away. Oh, that's very sad. Sorry. Just, oh, I don't think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. Very, very sad news. Oh, but it was a quote. Yeah, it was funny. It was a quote. Yeah. <sighs> yes, no. Very good. I'm waiting for that. All podcasters are so William Goldman's name right now. I, I, I don't believe I missed it. That's Cash, inc- got it. It's inconceivable. I, I, did, yeah. I did. I finally got something. <laughs> I've broken it. Well, I brought in the entire floor because I've I've brought a book news and brought in the floor of the thing. But um, yes, no, um, Princess Bride author William Goldman, uh, 87, uh, very sad news, passed away recently. Princess Bride is the one with Columbo in it, yeah? Yeah. 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 Reading to his. Reading to his thing you watched it. I love the film. I will fight for the fact that the book is better. Oh. The book is is an astounding one. Never read the book. Mm. It, it's just it's brilliant. Only how Peter Falk is always Columbo, no matter what he's in. Mm. There was a yeah. German film that he was in, wasn't he? Was Wings it? Of was Desire. it him? Yeah, yeah. And I I'd never heard of Wings of Desire before, and I saw it when I was in Berlin, and I was so confused by the fact that Columbo was in this film. <laughs> and did he speak German? No, no. Did anybody speak? Yeah, they must have spoke German. But he spoke English. It was a German film. Noticed, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because he was an angel. He was. He was himself. Oh. He was Peter Falk, but he was an angel. He's I, I don't understand that. An angel before, hasn't he? I feel like he has. Yeah, I feel like he has. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I've definitely seen an angel version of Columbo. What if he just actually is an angel? Then he's going to get cut up into little pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Don't let him near a little. Compared to a unicorn. Compared to yeah. This has got That's probably how I got hurt. I got pulled out for magic. <gasps> In a war oh. with Alia. Yeah, it was probably Alia. Car. I went to a cafe in Budapest. Was um, Falk No, it's a Colombo cafe, oh. and it's Dear entirely Colombo themed. Everything is Colombo. The whole, the walls are Colombo. You can never leave the chairs it. Because you go in and you make your order, and on your way out you go, oh, just one more thing. <laughs> <laughs> but we, it was just really odd. We were like, what is? And the man was like, it's not all. Columbo, and he was like, I don't, I literally cannot see anything, but it's a Columbo. And then he pointed, and in the corner, um, there was a framed um, Leicester City football top. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know what's happening anymore. What is this city? Where am I? I need to go home. <laughs> did, did you ever see the Geiger bar? That yeah. done, it was just done out like alien. It was just beautiful, just the HR oh, bar. in the museum. Yeah. No, it was, it was an actual bar. Yeah. And it was done. It was, and, I, and we went to Prague, and I saw the Geiger bar. I got really excited, and we went in, and it was actually just a really rubbish absinthe bar with a picture of the alien 
behind the bar. My wife was just like, you promised something impressive. Occasional team member sigh once had an idea for the restaurant where every item on the menu would in some way be a terrible pun linked to a movie or a TV show. I, I want a bar called the Medea Res. And then, and then all sorts of adventures can begin there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I go a long way for that pun. I really I, do. I hate to sort of bring up book news, but it, <laughs> it, it says here that William Goldman adapted Misery for Broadway. Was he that, did. Was that a musical? Or I, I, I wasn't able to find out because I, I wasted about half an hour on Google trying to find out more about the adaptation of Misery for Broadway. Then I had a small like kind of moment of whimsy about what the songs would be like. Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I kind of, I kind of. Then, then it becomes a jukebox musical, and you just, just know. Um, talking of the Princess Bride, they're doing a version of the, they've re-edited the, De- the Deadpool movie. Deadpool what? 2 has been re-edited with the, the, the boy from The Princess Bride. He's the one he is. The one he is. That's Fred, Fred Savage. Fred Savage. Him as a grown-up is hmm. tied to a bed <laughs> with Deadpool reading out the plot of Deadpool 2 so they can make it a PG-13. Because <laughs> at the moment it's like it's it's an eighteen twenty one movie because it's violent it's got lots of swear words in. It's quite so, rude. So so to, so so to cut it down, what they've done is they've abducted Fred Savage, tied him to a bed, mm. and now they have Ryan Reynolds dressed as Deadpool reading out reading out the naughty bits. Because if you read out the naughty bits, that's fine. Has Fred Savage been in anything since Wonder Years? Y- yes, we were talking about him recently. I can't Do you know who he why. is, Tasha? Yeah. No, no, Tasha's no idea what we're It was like about. a programme from the 80s was and 90s set yeah. in the 70s. Was he It was set in the previous day. He had a girlfriend called Winnie. Yeah. And that was the whole programme. Yeah. He was a little boy and he it's, had a girlfriend called uh, Winnie. It's, it's all nostalgia for the American dream and a similar yeah. sign, yeah. isn't it? But are they bringing it back? Is that why we were talking about it? I might have made that I, up. No, I feel that, that they're bringing it back as well. There's something happening with it. How does that work? Because we've done the kind of the post-80s thing with Stranger Things, and I can't now watch that sort of, that nostalgia concept. No, I think think it's it's, them older. I don't oh, think I don't think it's like a remake. They're do, but they're doing something, and I can't actually think of what it is. I don't know if they're riding on kind of the Riverdale. Oh, God, it's, be like it's just be them talking about how much better it was when they were children. <laughs> <laughs> awful. If if you mix the yeah, Wonder a bunch of people who long for simple time. Yeah. If you oh. mix the Wonder Years with the Stepford Wives. Like sort of going on to Dave Hutchinson and the uh, and the community and that sort of. I've lost half the audience. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> they, they cut one of the scenes from the end and the post credit sequence of Deadpool to Pool Two that had him killing baby Hitler. I thought it was too controversial. Well, uh, killing baby Hitler. Was, was, it, it, too, was it the baby aspect? I think so. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the evil baby orphanage concept, isn't it? It's like if you. I've not seen this movie, and I really feel I need to now. I've not seen that for what? Yeah. But if if you go back in time and start doing that, there's there's a whole. I think it's John Green, the guy who wrote um, the 
Wait, which John Green? Not the not the fight, the fight, the fighting fancy author, the the one on YouTube. Ah, uh, yeah. And yeah. the Fault in the Stars guy yes. uh, has oh, a whole yeah. rant about the evil baby orphanage, which is why time travel, try, time traveling to kill Hitler is is morally wrong, or something. But he does this entire skit, and you just sit there going, "That's very clever," but no. Okay. Um, but you, you know, you know for a fact that if they ever do invent time travel, baby Hitler's days are numbered, aren't they? I mean, he's he's not ever going to get out of. Out of nappies. Ah, but that that could be worse because Hitler's figurehead for a societal movement, and you might get like Hitler was rubbish actually at um, tactics. Yeah. Yeah. you might get a better. Hitler. Yeah, you yeah. might get you might get. You're like, creating Darwinian pressure yeah. for a, for, an, for a superior Hitler. Yeah, and we, yeah. we don't. We might get Mecca Hitler. The, we, we don't want that if we kill baby Hitler. Ryan Hitler, Hitlerosaurus Rex. Yeah. <laughs> Global Mecha Hitler. Because yeah. you've gone so back forwards back in time that dinosaurs are still around. Yeah. Uh, and somehow. Uh, and now you have. I just can't Tyrannosaurus Rex with a little moustache. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Ryan Norf. a bushy moustache because he couldn't shave. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, well, maybe, maybe he just intimidates someone with like a straight razor. But Ryan Norf wrote a book recently, How to Invent Everything. And it's uh, the, the concept, the gimmick of it is it's a repair manual for a time machine. And it goes. Uh, the first bit is like, congratulations on purchasing our time machine. By the way, if you go back in time, uh, you just create an alternate reality. That bit solved. It kind of just writes it out straight away. And then it goes. And then you turn it to the, the repair instructions, and it says there are there is no way to repair a time machine. You're, you're stranded. And then the rest of the book is a how-to science guide of how to rebuild civilization, starting with nothing. So it's like, first work out what epoch you're in by looking at the stars. And then it teaches you basic astronomy. And then it goes, now, here's how you invent language. It doesn't even start with fire. It starts with language and writing. And then goes all the way up well, that's, to that's, that's Google, rubbish, I think. Because if you don't have language, you can't read the book, can you? Well, no, you can't invent the society. Yeah, the idea is that you find some people who haven't, because humanity didn't have language for a long time, so you find like a bit of humanity and you go, hi, words, and they go, what, and then kill you. How did people who were living in groups communicate with each other before there was language? Well, so there's a theory. There's a theory that um, language evolved from rhythmic um, grunts that were used for shared activities. You know, like like he- pulling on a rope, you go yo heave or whatever, and that would turn into words. Oh, interesting. So I like the fact that Mike, Mike, Mike said something to you, and you answered with with a, a wordless. There was a lovely um, game called Ugg. Um, which is a like a one-hour role-playing game where you all played cavemen, and you only had different forms of communication. So you could play uh, arty caveman, so you could only draw things, or you could play um, a mime caveman who could only wave his hands and communicate. And the way it would work is the storyteller would be able to tell you what was going on, and it was like you caveman too you see the dinosaur you're like hastily drawing a dinosaur to point to your friend who are pointing in the other direction how evolved you, was man caveman could you do this stuck in a box pretty much yeah. like anything you yeah. can get away with yeah. but you, you can, can do a lot with mine you can, you can say man woman and all of that I'd be mine caveman I'd just cheat massively you can have um, well you could also be uh, like most cavemen had some basic words on their character sheet like mm. other characters but you could be brainy caveman who had all the words which included run big smelly arg fire and and anti-disestablishmentarianism. <laughs> I just want... I, I want to write a superhero book called Mime Caveman. 
He's defrosting. But how shocked would everybody be? Should we some buttons? Yeah. Um, so Gavin G. Smith is the guest of honour at PeopleCon Phase Six. Gavin who? I'm just picking one at random. Bass is really helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Bassard Legion author Gavin G. Smith is the guest of honour at PeopleCon 36, the mini convention. And, and secretary, and detective secretary, famously Gavin G. Smith. He'll love me saying that on the podcast. Is he a detective secretary? Yes, me, me and Edward Cox were in a detective agency, and Gavin is our secretary. I see. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very in-Twitter joke that you won't get otherwise it's from one person and he's what, over what, there. What do you detect? We, we detect crimes. What kind you, of crimes, though? Crimes that Gavin Smith does. He's <laughs> <laughs> both the secretary yeah. and the villain. Yeah, yeah, we're a full-service detective agency. We do everything. <laughs> <laughs> Including the actual crime. Yeah, yeah, Gavin does that. And then, and then, then we discover it's him. Yeah. And, and everyone accept him as a great time. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever wonder if he, he's like, I'm just going to delete Twitter? <laughs> I, I hate my friends. <laughs> he loves it. <laughs> the thing I like about PicoCon is it's very, very laid back. It's like, it is essentially just a pub meet uh, with, with some authors, but they, they decided long ago that they can't have a chair because they're too laid back, so they have a sofa. So, so, so if you're in charge of the event, you, you're, you are the sofa rather than chair. Which I think is rather charming. And I might make that, given that it's in like London. two train stops away from the ham corner living. Um, EU has uh, rules have lowered the taxes on e-books. That's a piece of book news, which is kind Yay. of it's totally not exciting, but it's kind of exciting. Essentially, the, the apparently the reason why, because you'd go on to Amazon, you'd go, oh. why is the e-book so expensive? And it's apparently to do with tax rules and tax Where lines. Is that? It's on the back of the second page. Oh, I've got backs on. Yeah, yeah. Technology. Ed is, Ed is being oh. fun. <laughs> Much fun. Um, so as soon as that happened, the UK Publishers Association, almost like they had a prepared speech and had one prepared for like 10 years, uh, were like immediately lobbied to um, for the UK to put changes into effect as quickly as possible. So the result is, is that because... There aren't any. There isn't any VAT on books in the UK. Hopefully, e-books will get cheaper, which is nice. Couldn't they, they just keep quiet about this uh, and keep prices where they are and just give the authors the difference? <laughs> I think that would be lovely. <laughs> <laughs> but would would the authors get the difference though? Yeah, yeah. We wouldn't tell the publishers about it either. Yeah, because they'd never notice. No, no, they wouldn't. no. No, I'm quite quite sure. Oh. <laughs> I think there might be a spy in the room. For those listening at home, uh, someone has just stared at RJ, and RJ has shrinked visibly. <laughs> it's the publishing police. Yeah. <laughs> um, the SFA. Why did I put this in here? Because I can't even. Uh, the SFWA and the BSFA have changed their rules. Hooray! They've got a new category. There's a new category here for the. But no one cares uh, for the science fiction and fantasy award I writers of America whenever have... I see BSFA written down I think it's about motorbikes yes yeah. thank you yeah, yeah. Mm. that's all I can yes. think and I'm really confused when they talk about books afterwards see is it the Hugos or the Nebulas where they have like four or five different categories for short fiction they have no- novel novelettes 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 I always want I, I want to eat a nove- novelette because it sounds delicious what? yeah is there genuinely a novelette car- ca- yeah. category it's somewhere between a short story and a novella 
Yeah, novelettos. Yeah. You'd, oh, you'd be spoiling know. us with those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what was the publication location requirement? Uh, for the, the EU yeah. rule thing? No, no, no. You, no. The thing you're just talking about, oh. the FSA. That's this event. All right. So, what happened with the British Science Fiction Association Awards yeah. is it had to be published in the UK right. to to uh, be to be nominated. Right. Mm-hmm. So, which is rubbish yes. because if it's say an ebook, yes, and it was originally therefore it's originally published and it's an American ebook. I don't think anyone actually cares about no. awards, you know. <laughs> no. That's been my experience which, of this year. Which? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one cares about awards. I mean, but it's I, so lovely to be nominated. It, 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 oh, oh, was I? Oh. It's not the winning, it's the taking part. It is, yeah. Except for that one award when you win a sword, then it is about the winning. No, I'm scared of a sword. sword. No, the I legend want... award is an axe. No. And it's hefty. No, I don't like weapons. I want a d- Your house is full of dead stuff. Yeah, but they're not. They're already okay. dead, though. They're already dead. They're, they're not going to hurt you. The crocodile is in a stupid place. But um, yeah. where is the crocodile? It's it's by where I sit on the couch to write. So if I if I am if I kind of do kind of, flick no, your hair, flick my hair like yeah. a, a secretary taking off her glasses to be attractive. Um, <laughs> I get my hair stuck on the crocodile. Sorry, I, have to, I have to just point out that if yeah. you take yeah. a few glasses. Doesn't flick your hair. I can demonstrate because we have very similar hair. So yeah, but no, no, that's what you, that's what you, you have to on. do. You have to you have to take your glasses off and then flick your hair. And then you have and to bite. Say, you have to bite the, so the uh, earpiece. Yes, yeah. they're definitely that's the crucial the earpiece in mouth. Whilst looking coquettish. Yeah. 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 That that was a very good impression. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Coquettish is such a good word. So that should be the uh, secretary or detective. Uh, I can arrange that. My uh, uh, Gav needs a bit of a push. I, I can't get away with the word co- coquettish because I always associate <laughs> o- always associate it with the word courgette. <laughs> See, I always associate it with croquettes, and then I want croquettes. Yeah. Like now, I want croquettes. But it's coquettish. coquettish. One of those words. Yes. It's coquettish. One of those words where the the rest of it doesn't exist anymore. Like you you never see someone coquette. They they only coquettishly. Coquettishly. Yeah, but but actual coquette. You can be a coquette. Can can be a coquette. Oh, what is a what is a coquette? What do you need to do to be one? Keys. Have you ever met anyone who's been precisely whelmed? Surely just most people most of the time. Just whelmed, not overwhelmed, not underwhelmed. I was imagine if if you're just whelmed, it's comfortably comfortably warm feeling. Is that for intending to be like you? And young justice. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mike did it. Goldilocks when she had the last last bowl of porridge. Was whelmed. She was whelmed. If you edit that correctly, I'll sound like I can. Editing? What? So, so no, no, I agree with you of not caring about awards because it's nice to be nominated, but um, <laughs> they, they've dropped the they dropped the decapitation requirement. Yeah, uh, they've, they've dropped the, the whole thing of the location uh, for the BSFAs, for those of you paying attention who care. Uh, and the uh, American, the science fiction fancy writers of America have added a, added a character for game writing, which is interesting because they recognised game writers last year. So, like, previously, they were like, if you were just a games writer, they were like, you can't join all special gang, you have to write something else. And then they went, oh, you can now. And then they've given them all And, an and award. then they realised that video games are, like, one of the most... Um, money lucrative. generating yeah. lucrative that's the word I'm looking for yeah. lucrative well, the, industries like globally at the moment the Premiership Football League 
I don't know sports, um, but they've they've actually created an esports league now because they realised how much money there is in esports. So they were, uh, it was really interesting. So I was watching an interview, and the, one of the guys who's like the head of the Premier League was like, basically, it was like, I don't understand it. I don't, I don't get it. I think it's weird. But if that's what, but it's the money in it for us. No, I think he was like, but if that's the sport that people play, I love sport. So he was like, let let them play. And I had a terrible, terrible video gaming experience just last week. It's 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 scarring. My little boy is eight, and we have reached a point now where his reaction time is better than mine, and he can outgame me. It's just, I think we should have a moment of silence. Switch to chess. Yeah. <laughs> I taught him to play chess. He's a kid. I taught him to play chess, and I was doing the thing where I'm letting him win, and then I suddenly realised I wasn't letting him win anymore. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, oh, we have to stop now. Let's <laughs> <laughs> have tea. There should, be a, there should be a special category of award for fictional fiction, for books that started out in other books or in movies. So like the Babadook book, Babadook book exists as a book, doesn't it? And Where's My Cow, which is the book that Sam Vimes mm. reads to his kid in the Discworld novels, mm. now exists as a book. Necronomicon. Necronomicon. Yeah. yeah. A prize for books that only exist in novel worlds. Well, come out of novel worlds to be in our world. Mm. Do they end up, like, if you buy a Necronomicon, is it credited to Abdul al-Hazrat? Depends on the version. So there's tedious things I know um, so there's various there's various editions of the real Necronomicon including a, a New Age book from the 70s mm-hmm. um, one that was essentially like literally made by a crazy person who made like about a dozen <laughs> copies mm-hmm. made it out of you're describing my publishing career <laughs> <laughs> like, like essentially hand cranked handmade specialist paper weird smelling kind of mad writings and then there's a whole load of novelties so there's different Necronomic- there's different versions mm-hmm. That people have just grabbed and used the name to sell. Do you think? I tell you what, I would like. It's not an Necronomicon. I'd like one of one of the. Um, there, there are those books that are bound in human skin. Have you seen them? You skin want a book bound in murders. human skin? Yeah, they're, they're not. They're not. Not like they've just grabbed some off the street. Their skin. They're quite old, and they're, they're usually people that have been been hung or executed, and then bound books in I went skin. to a pathology museum once. They had a lot of skin. Yeah. Probably go there. I tried to. We... I tried to put in my will that I should be stuffed when I die, but it's illegal. But what about that bloke at UCL who's been stuffed? His head's stuffed. That was quite a way back, wasn't it? Yeah, but they still got him. Is he the tramp or is it? Jeremy no, it's Bentham. Jeremy Bentham, yeah. Yeah, that was. That was well, you, you can donate your body to that German guy who tours the thing around the world, can't you? Yeah, but he doesn't yeah, stuff it's, yeah. it's donating to science, yeah. Yeah. technically, and, and knowledge. But we, um, at work, I. I our school is a school of environment and life sciences so I've got uh, all, and all our academics are researching academics and we've got like microbiologists and um, disease specialists and things and um, this we get random deliveries to reception regularly and generally you know straight away if something is a freezer box and this big freezer box appeared and so this is standard questions you ask the delivery team you just say oh cool like how long has it been out of the freezer how long is it allowed to be out of the freezer which freezer does it need to go into because we're dealing with um like things like diseases and cells and things all the time we can easily contaminate so we have to keep we have to be very careful which freezers different specimens and different boxes go into and the guy just went 
don't know. And I was like, okay, how long has it been out of the freezer? And he was like, no, it's been in my van for a few hours. I was like, how many hours is a few hours? And this, basically, we couldn't work out anything about this box. So then I had to like, like feverishly phone our finance team to be like, right, I have a serial number. Someone tell me what serial number this is. And like, therefore, who this belongs to. We worked out which academic was it, it was. Bear? It wasn't a bear. I kind of, <laughs> I couldn't get through to the academic on the phone, so I had to email him. It was just like, Joe, there's a box, don't know what it is, the delivery driver doesn't know how long it's been out of the freezer, doesn't know what the shelf life is for him to get it in the freezer, no information, Joe, help, help, help. And literally, email back from Joe was one sentence, like, oh, it's human skin. <laughs> yep. That's you, not a response. It was, it was, and he, he, he missed it, he emailed me again and was like, I've realised I didn't answer your question, I'm sending, <laughs> I'm sending one of my PhD students, and he went, do you, do you know what company it is? I told him the company, he was like, oh, I love them, they always send belly skin that's got hair. Oh. I was not happy. <laughs> there is a company now. There's a lot of a story there. I'm imagining it's on a reel or possibly even like printer format. And also once this little old man appeared and was like, there are people at the back visibly ill. He was like, I've got a delivery for Stephen Martin. And Stephen is like a world leader in his field. And I just went, okay, cool. Not realising he was just a general member of the public. And he went, they'll need to go in the freezer really quickly. They've started to thaw. And I was like... Okay, and he gave me a cart door tub. <laughs> and I looked at it, and it was full to the brim with dead bees, because that's what Stephen specialises in. He specialises in bee communication. And I was like, And so I say, like, I will phone Stephen, thank you. And um, Stephen just, oh, oh, I probably can't. Oh, they're not going to hear this. I hope Stephen just went, Oh, Mad Frank, and there's this guy who works for a trust that funds some of Stephen's research, so he he has to do random things for him. But apparently, yeah, this guy, whenever his bees die, just scoops them all up and brings them to Stephen. Like, Stephen can do do, like some weird bee autopsy and work out where they die. Whenever his bees die, yeah. What is he doing bees. to have that many dead bees? Yeah, but bees are very sensitive. Do you not remember the last show we did here where we were kind of said, like, there are no yeah. British bees. All the British bees died oh, in New Zealand World bees, War yeah. yeah, they were brought So the bees we have now were brought over from New Zealand. I, I just want to share my thought process here because he's head of bee communication. And these head are dead... bee communication? He said bee communication. That's his specialism. He does bee communication. And these are dead bees. So he yeah. takes the dead bees and then... Put, presumably puts them in a circle, communicates with the spirits of the bees yeah. to find out how they died. And then I get, think he just rises them. Yeah, Rise up, my they, bees! They ain't saying much yeah. at this point, are they? I think we're running out of time. We are. Sorry. We do, try for something populated. We, we don't have any time for any There are people, if you have tattoos, you can and die and remove your tattoos so your loved ones can keep them in a frame. There's a book. Why? And, and yet I can't be stuffed when I die. It's called um, Ink by Alice Broadway. It's a YA story about um, it's it's a world where um, when you're born you get tattooed immediately with kind of um, like a, a mark that you have been born, um, and then when you're you named, you get your name is tattooed on you. 
And then when you are, I think, 16 and you leave school, you decide what your profession is and then your profession is tattooed on you. But from that point on, you then use your skin to tell your story. And so things from your life or things that are important to you. And some people create themes, so all of their stories like might be told through flowers and things. So by the time people are kind of older, their skin is their entire life story. And then when they pass away, their skin is there's like a tanner and they preserve the skin and they turn your story into a book and then all your family have all of the books of their like lost loved ones to to remember them in the real world is, is he, so embarrassed you see i really i really now <laughs> want to bring like i went out and got blind drunk and <laughs> <laughs> pretended to be a horse i, I really want to bring up the, the, the comic book Run around the town i really maybe. want to bring up the comic book lucifer because that's got like the tarot cards tattoos on the person's body oh. yes when, when, when you'll get taken over by them there uh, yeah but we've run out of time. Oh, well. um, oh. <laughs> Jeff Smith, who wrote the comic book Bone, was once asked by a fan to tattoo her bum, so to, to, to autograph her bum, and then she had it turned into a tattoo. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bourne's good. But did he? Did he sign? He, he did. Oh. But the woman in question brought her boyfriend along as a chaperone. There was nothing, uh, <laughs> nothing untoward happened. I was signed a lettuce leaf. <laughs> <laughs> There's a there's an American. No, I want him all. No. <laughs> the, Someone asked me to sign a letter sleeve, so I I, I did. Did I you use a slug? Did you ask them why they wanted it on a letter sleeve? Did they want a biodegradable signature? What sort of lettuce? If it was, it was a remain? blank letter sleeve, they could have turned it in as a check. You could owe money. Oh. <laughs> what if I'm in vegetable debt now? <laughs> Starts off with letter sleeve, ends up a cauliflower. That's, that's only not how that works. That's, <laughs> that's only the tip of the iceberg, though. Oh. Oh. oh! And on that note, yes. <laughs> um, so I've been Ed Fortune, goodbye. Uh, I've been producer Al. I've been Del. I forget who I am. <laughs> oh, Hi. I'm Tasha Siri. I'm, I'm RJ Barker of RJ Barker's podcast. And the audience have been absolutely lovely. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.